Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're Get In Here Ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God and the Bible and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing the title and the dance. Let's just kind of get into this. When you're saying a prayer in public, you want to use the phrase Father God as much as humanly possible. Just last week, I said a 30-second prayer and got 17 Father Gods in it. Now look, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with a little bit of effort, it can be done. If you have a prayer request but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay. What? It's unspoken. <laughs> okay, well that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, someone does. Just no one human. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? What, who said what? Where, where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone but don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either, but did you know that John got canned? What? Are you, are you... Let's talk about it in a prayer group. Some think your prayer position is irrelevant, but we have found that your prayer position can not only boost your prayer life, but can stretch you physically. Chachi, why don't you go ahead and show us some examples? Well, I wasn't really planning on praying, but I guess I could give it a shot. Okay. Oh, very nice. Good. That is classic. Wow. Seriously, wow. The last thing you do when you pray is fairly obvious. You say, Amen. And if you happen to be in a group of people holding hands, it's imperative that you accompany that amen with a physical action known as the hand squeeze. The squeeze lets the people on either side of you know, hey, the prayer's over. I care about you, but I'm letting go now. And when you are holding hands, never interlock, because that can make your prayer partners a little uncomfed. We want to thank you for watching, or shall I say growing, in your prayer life. Yeah, now can we do the, the title and the dance moves? No, just kind of say thanks for watching. And That's seriously unreal. This is actually my miracle position. <laughs> well, as we, uh, as we close out the book of Ephesians today, we're going to be talking about prayer, if you haven't uh, figured that out yet. And when we talk about prayer, if I just asked you the question, how's your, how's your prayer life going right now, what would come to mind? What, what word would you use to describe 
that part of your life. And sometimes when I ask people, like, some of the common stuff I get is uh, guilt, you know. I think it's not kind of a common thing for Christians to automatically go to that place. Well, you know, I'm, I'm probably not praying enough. And sometimes it's confusion. I find a lot of times as Christians, we, we're a little confused, you know. We'll be like, I'm not sure how to pray for this or what to pray for or how long I should pray for that or, you know, when I should give up on it. Some people would describe their, their prayer relationship right now as kind of dreadful, you know. They don't really look forward to praying. It's, uh, it's kind of a difficult thing, a, a hard thing for them. There's not a lot of joy or excitement in it. M- maybe that describes yours right now. Sometimes when I talk to people about prayer, this is what I get. I kind of get like uh, theological angst, you know, because uh, people ask me things like, well, I don't know, praying's hard because you know, I'm praying to this God who already knows what I'm going to ask for before I ask for it, and then he already knows everything anyways, and he's already going to answer everything according to his will, and so I don't understand why I would pray because if that changes things and God already knew that he was going to do it and change things and made me pray, and it, I just, it's very confusing, and maybe that would describe you, and that's, that's kind of difficult. When we come to prayer with, with all of those, all that baggage, you know, uh, when I first came to Christ, and I've told you this before, but when I first came to Christ at the age of 15, uh, I hadn't grown up in the church, so I don't think I maybe had a lot of the baggage that you can have sometimes in, in growing up in a church, so I really didn't know how to pray. No one had ever told me the, the, the ins and outs. I didn't have Johnny and Chachi to give me the six rules for praying, and uh, so I would just, you know, I would just pray, and a couple months after coming to Christ, um, I, had a, I had a couple of dogs and a couple of cats and a couple of cows. It's just, just what I had. And one of my cows one day got really sick. And the vet came out and looked at him and said, you know, he's basically, we need to put him down. And uh, he said, so I'm going to come back tomorrow and, you know, we'll have the truck and we'll put him down and be done with him. And so he left. And, and I just had this, like, uh, this feeling, this prompting that I should, you know, pray for my cow. And again, I hadn't watched this on TV or, you know, guys with the big hair or anything. I just, I, so I just had this feeling. So I went and I made sure no one was looking and I put my hands on, on Benny. That was my cow. And I, I, I laid hands on him and I prayed for him. Okay. And when I was done, and I felt a little bit silly actually praying for a cow. And, uh, and the next day, uh, the vet came and looked at Benny and said, wow, he's, he's healed. I didn't say anything. You know, I just kind of, wow, who would have guessed? And, and the next day I went to church and people were like, you know, it was a really small church and people were like sharing praises at the beginning of the worship service. And so I stood up because again, I'm a new Christian. I don't know any better. I don't know how it works. And I said, well, praise God. I laid hands on my cow and God healed him. It's a miracle. And everybody was just kind of smiling and Afterwards, I had somebody come up and tell me, you know, that's kind of a silly thing to pray for. And, you, you know, you should probably, if you're going to pray like that, you should probably pray for people who are hungry or, or you know, people don't know Christ. Or, but a cow, you know, like your future hamburger, that's kind of a silly thing to pray for. And I, it never really occurred to me that that was a silly thing to pray for. I realized it was, and I've, I don't think I've ever prayed for a cow since then. But um, if some people said, some people came up to me and said, you know, you need to understand as a new Christian that you really can't always expect that from God. God's not going to always just answer your prayer. And I, I hadn't thought about that. And uh, some people came up and said, you know, actually, prayer's a lot more complicated than just laying your hands on a piece of beef and, and thinking that God's going to take care of that. It's really, really complicated. And so over the years as a Christian, I have learned that prayer is actually very complicated and prayer is very confusi- confusing, very convoluted, and there's tons of theology I don't understand. But on the other hand, I find that when I read scripture, prayer is actually amazingly simple. There's just not much to it. And as I was reading through the passage we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18, 
I was just trying to come up with a, with a very simple metaphor for prayer, the way God imagines it. And, and the only metaphor that I can, can, can come up with is, it's fairly simplistic, but I, when I read the Bible, I, what I see is a picture of prayer that's kind of like breathing, if you will. Prayer is like breathing. Most of the time, we don't think about breathing, you know? I mean, when, chances are when you woke up this morning, you didn't wake up and kind of <clears throat> catch your breath and go, okay, oh, I almost forgot to breathe. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just try some breathing exercises for a minute. And uh, but we don't. Now, sometimes we do. Sometimes you think about breathing. I went, I went running last night with my middle son and I was thinking a lot about breathing while we were running because I'm old. And so I'm like, you know, <clears throat> trying to suck in the air and breathe. And, and it's a little bit of a stretch, a little bit of exercise for me. And sometimes prayer's like that. Sometimes prayer is a bit of a stretch. Sometimes you gotta think a little bit about it. But most of the time, prayer's not, we make it so complicated there's so many rules and we wrestle with so much stuff when really praying is just like breathing. It's just like living day in and day out with God, with this open line of communication. See, God, honestly, he just wants us to come to him. God loves it when we come to him and we pray for a cow or whatever it is. He just loves it we come to him. So don't get all caught up in, in this stuff. In fact, today we're gonna look at this passage in 618 and I'm just calling it how to revitalize your prayer life, how to get some of that spark some of that excitement, some of the joy of praying back. This is our passage primarily in verse 18. Paul says this. In fact, let's, let's all read this together. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So let's jump into it. What are some simple things that we can do to revitalize our prayer life? And the first one, and it's fairly obvious, it's how Paul starts here, is that we want to invite the Spirit in to the prayer process. He says, at the very beginning of this, now I want you to pray in the Spirit. Now what does that mean to pray in the Spirit? So when I became a Christian, the church I went to, and then the, the, the Bible college I went to, and the seminary I went to, while they were great, they were always just a little bit suspicious of anything that involved the Spirit. They love the Spirit. They recognize the Spirit as part of the Trinity. They just really think he needs to be kept in his place, especially in the church. So when you talk about the Spirit, you know, you'd have people going, oh, praying in the Spirit, your hands are going to be flailing, people are going to be rolling on the ground, there's going to be buckets of tears everywhere, and people are going to be speaking in strange languages. And Paul isn't talking about anything external here at all. Paul is talking about a very internal part of prayer. He says, when you pray, you need to invite the Holy Spirit in to that process of praying. So what does that mean? Well, I would describe it in a few ways. Part of what he's talking about here is when we pray, we ask the Spirit to be our, our guide while we pray. So for instance, if you're here today and you're thinking, I'm not really that good at prayer, or I, I kind of, I'm, I'm wrestling with some issues in prayer, I'm unsure how to pray, I need to hit the prayer button when it comes, or the help button when it comes to prayer. Paul says just, just ask the Spirit to come in and guide you along in that process. I mean, I think it's easy for us to come to God with our list of stuff that we need. And by the way, Jesus encouraged that. He said, you know, you need to pray for your daily bread. Pray for the stuff you need. Keep a list and bring it to God. No problem there. God wants to know what you need. But praying in the Spirit means that you come with an open list, that you've got some blank spaces, you know, at the bottom. So that you pray and you say, God, here's the things I, I need, the things I think I need. I'm just asking you for those. And praying in the Spirit means where you just take a moment to be quiet and to let, let the Spirit guide you. You stop talking and, and you let the Spirit instruct you on what to pray for. And God may begin to put some things on your heart, some people to pray for that you hadn't thought about that weren't on your list. Some situations to pray for. Some stuff to put on your list. 
ask the Spirit to guide you. And the second thing is here that we ask the Spirit to pray for us. That's part of what it means to be involved in, in prayer with the Spirit. So I don't know if you've ever been praying and you're praying for someone maybe and you don't know what to pray for. Maybe uh, there's another person and they've said, would you pray for me? Or maybe you've just noticed them and you're praying for them. Have you ever been in that situation where you start to pray for someone then you're like, ooh, I don't know if I should be praying for this. I mean, I don't know if this would be the best thing for them. And then you find yourself thinking, actually, God, I don't know how to pray for them. Or maybe you have to make a decision. And you're like, you know, God, I'm not really sure how how to pray for this or this problem that I'm dealing with. When I was in, in high school, my grandmother um, had developed ALS. And if you're, if you're not familiar with that, it's just a degenerative disease that just kind of slowly shuts down your body. And for her, it had gotten to a, a, a pretty serious level. And so I would go once a week to my grandmother's house and I would just pray with her. She was a Christian. And we would pray. And I, so I would go every week and I would pray that God would heal my grandmother. And, and one week I went and I began to pray for her. And she just grabbed my hand and she said, Honey, I want you to stop praying for my healing. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go home and be with the Lord. And I found that extremely complicated to pray for. I just remember thinking, but I'm not ready for her to go home and be with the Lord. And so I really, really struggled with that. I remember leaving that day and just going to a park for a while and, and, and praying and thinking about it and, and just telling the Spirit, I don't know how to pray for my grandmother. But God's Spirit slowly began to work in my heart as he was part of that process and showed me that I had been praying for something that was good, but my grandmother wanted me to pray for something that was amazing, something even better. See, the Spirit can help us through those issues. In Romans 8, 26, in fact, Paul was writing, he says this now, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, he's he's talking specifically about prayer here because there are times when we don't know what we ought to pray for. We just don't know, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that that words cannot express. So sometimes we come to God and we're, we're praying about something. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's just so overwhelming. Have you ever been praying? Maybe you've got a problem or, or your heart's breaking for someone. Something's going on and you, you go to God. Maybe you get on your knees and you go to pray and suddenly you just, it strikes you. And I've had this happen so many times in my life where suddenly I realize I know what I should be praying for, but there are no words that can really express the depth of what I'm feeling. And here's the good news. What Paul says here is you don't have to say anything. In those times, the Holy Spirit knows what you're feeling and the Holy Spirit knows how to pray for you. So you can just get on your knees and you can just be quiet, but something will be happening during that time. The Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. He's praying for you and will be working in you. Paul says, if you want to revitalize your prayer life, one of the things you might want to do is to invite the Holy Spirit into that process if you haven't been doing it. Here's the second thing that Paul says that we can do to revitalize our prayer life. And that is learn to capture occasions moment by moment in our lives. So he says this in verse 18, we need to pray on all occasions. On all occasions. So for the, for the Jew in that day, this would have been a fairly significant statement because they had three times a day when they would pray. And if you were really, really religious, there were seven times a day when you prayed. And, and you prayed, everyone prayed at the exact same time. You would stop what you're doing. Depending on where you lived and the synagogue that was nearby, they might blow a horn and you would know. You stop what you're doing and everyone prays. And, and sometimes in some villages, you would even they would tell you this is what you pray for during this time and this is what you pray for right here. So Paul comes along and says, you know what? Now that you have a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit inside of you, you don't have to do that anymore. He says, again, it's more like breathing. It's more like a a continual consciousness. You wake up in the morning, you say hi to God and you don't say amen. You just let that prayer continue. 
through the day. What would that look like to have a prayer relationship with God like that as you, as you capture all sorts of occasions? It, it might look something like this. I don't know when I first learned to pray. That's actually a good question. When, how does one learn how to pray? I guess there's both teachings on it that one picks up from Sunday school or church or things like that if you've grown up in a church. And there's some cultural stuff too. You know, everybody thinks, close your eyes, you know, bow your head, put your hands like kind of together. And for me, that's always just been uh, quiet. Usually it's by myself. Of course, sometimes it's with other people. But when I think of pray, when I think of like a real good prayer, it usually involves me kind of being quiet and then somehow trying to pour my heart out to God, which is great. More and more, as I just live my life, as I walk around in my neighborhood, as I read the paper, I find myself caught in this tension between the world as it is and the world as it should be. And the longer I stay in that tension, the more I'm drawn to pray. That got me to thinking, what if I kept my eyes open more often? What if I took more walks? What if I read the paper more curiously? in such a way that I allowed myself to be entered into prayer, really through the tension that I feel. There's this quote by a thinker that I love, his name is Soren Kierkegaard, and he said something along the lines of, you know, we're always, we always think that it's, it's, we need to make sure that God hears our prayers, but maybe we need to listen, and I would maybe argue, open our eyes long enough so that we can hear what God is asking us for. And so if we do that, we have to move our feet. So I've wanted to pray more and more, moving my feet. Frankly, that takes a lot more courage than telling God what I want or, or even how I'm feeling. If I actually let open myself up to what God is saying and what God wants of me, that gets real scary real fast. But it also feels full of life. So I like that picture, that idea of just as you go through your day, you're always looking for ways to capture occasions in your life. And maybe for some of you, there's some parts of your life that you just always naturally pray for. It's just part of who you are. But, but maybe there's some things in your life that often go without prayer. And Paul is just challenging. Learn to identify those occasions when you tend to tune out to God in prayer and begin to think of ways to capture those. You know, maybe it's when you're facing temptation. Maybe the first thought isn't to turn to God, but just to figure out how to fight that thing. Maybe that's a situation you need to learn to capture when when you're facing temptation to stop what you're doing and to pray for a moment. Maybe it's when you experience something good. Maybe, Maybe for you, that's not the time where you naturally stop and just pray to God and say, thank you. Maybe that's something you need to learn to capture with prayer. Maybe it's, as he described, when you see evil in the world, what's your first response to evil in the world? A good response might be to stop for a moment and to pray. Or when, you, when you're with someone who doesn't know Christ. Or when you're dealing with a, with a, with a problem in life. I wanted to mention, I got this in your notes, just a, a couple of ways that I personally 
capture moments in, in prayer um, that have been really meaningful to me over the years. And one of those, and I've told you this before, but I just really, really love to practice what I call the advanced prayer. And that is, you know, I'm the kind of guy who likes to schedule my day. When I wake up in the morning, I kind of want to know to the best of my ability what's happening that day, what are the meetings I'm going to be in. And I know life changes, but I like to wake up in the morning and think, and think through and then pray through all of those things. So when I, when I wake up in the morning before I get out of bed, I think if I've got a meeting today, I'll pray for that meeting. And if I'm gonna, I know who I'm going to be with, I'll pray for those people. If, if I got a study today, I'll pray for that study time. I'll just in advance give it to God. If I'm going to be with some individuals, if I have to make a decision, you know, there's a deadline or something, I love before I even get out of bed and do anything to just go ahead and take that stuff in advance and pray. And here's what I found. When I pray for things before I face them, it gives me this perspective in this heart that I know I wouldn't have if I didn't pray for it. So that's one of the ways I think that we can really begin to capture more moments. Uh, and then there's just what I call like the, the moment by moment prayers. And that is that sometimes stuff just comes at you fast in life and you didn't see it coming. And I just find it's good to get in the habit whenever stuff comes along that I didn't plan on to, to make sure my first reaction is even in the middle of it just to shoot up a quick prayer so the phone rings and I pick it up and I get a message that I wasn't expecting. I find sometimes the best thing that I can do to start that conversation is to just shoot up a quick prayer to God. It doesn't have to be long, you know. It doesn't have to be extremely theological. I think it's just good to come to God and say, oh God, we're going down an interesting road here. I really need you. Uh, maybe you, you run into someone at the store, a conversation starts up and you weren't expecting it. And, and I always find it's good to go to God really quick while they're talking and just say, God, do you have something here? Is there something, some way you want to use me? Some way you want to bless this person? You know, maybe you're driving down the road and someone cuts in front of you in traffic, you know? Uh, maybe that happens to you. Uh, I was pulling into Walgreens the other day and I don't want to get too specific, but a guy in a great big armored truck just cut me off. And, you know, my first reaction wasn't to pray for him or to pray for me, but uh, my son was with me and I thought, ooh, that might be a better response than what I had in mind. And uh, so it's good sometimes just to kind of capture those moments. Maybe it's a sudden decision that you have to make a, a conversation you, that you enter into a in the moment prayer. And then there's kind of what I call the hour of prayer or the half hour of prayer or the two hours of prayer, but just kind of these longer periods of time. And the reason I just put this down is because the, the difference between maybe an hour of prayer and just a lot of the prayers that we pray during the day is that this tends to take a little more time. Um, takes a little more planning. To, to carry out. So for instance, for me, uh, I can pretty much get through all the prayer requests I can think of in 10 minutes because I can talk really, really fast and God can understand everything I'm saying so I don't have to slow down like I do for you. And, uh, and so I can get through a whole lot of stuff really, really quick and, um, and then I run out of stuff. And then I'm, you know, kind of hanging. I'm not sure what to say. And so an hour of prayer is great because you, you got to gather some requests. And, it, and for me, if I'm going to spend an hour in prayer, it often prompts me to think about, you know, asking some people in my life, how can I pray for you? And, and what's going on? And, and uh, you know, talk to your family. Get some prayer requests from your friends. Write down some ways you can pray for your church and, and, and for your nation. And, and one of the advantages to an hour of prayer that we often don't experience when we just kind of pray quick is that we can pray and take some requests to God and then we can slow down a little bit and just be quiet, which we often don't have time for in other prayers. We can be quiet and let the Spirit talk to us and, and, and give us some things to pray about. And, and, and teach us some things. It gives us time to praise God. It gives us time to listen. 
an hour of prayer. And then you could take it just one to, to the next level, and that is uh, a day of prayer. And if you, you're not in the habit of taking a day of prayer every now and then, I would really encourage you, even if you could just do it once or twice a year, I think that you would find it to be a very worthwhile kind of activity. So for me, when I do a day of prayer, I just, I like to get away from, um, you know, my, my typical physical location for the day. And often I'll just, I'll clear up my schedule. Um, I'll fast during that time. I usually, you don't have to, but I do it because, well, I like to eat. And when I don't eat and my stomach's grumbling, you know, then I, it's good for me because it reminds me what I'm doing that day and helps me focus on God. Um, so usually I'll pick a book of the Bible or a passage to kind of read and pray through on that day. Um, I gather a lot of prayer requests. Um, it gives me time for meditation. It gives me time for journaling, just being with God. But what I find is so great about a day of prayer is that it kind of, it kind of pulls me out of the, the fog of everyday life, if you will. You know, it gives you a chance to get kind of uh, above it and, and to see life and, and the challenges and the relationships and the problems, often in a new light. And then when I dive back into my world, often I find that there's a, there's a power. There's a freshness in that prayer in my life. It could be a powerful thing. So Paul says, you want to invite the Spirit in, into your prayer life because it can really revolutionize your prayers. And learn to capture every occasion that you can with prayer. And then he goes on and he talks about this concept of expanding our approach to prayer. So in verse 18, he says this. He says, you know, pray all kinds of prayers. And that word prayer there is just the general uh, word in the Greek for talking to God. And request is the word we would sometimes translate as supplication. Um, those are just the things you need. And you take those to God. So maybe you have a fairly narrow picture of prayer. So you know, maybe you were raised in a way where you think, well, you know, you this is what you do. You, you pray when you get up in the morning. You pray for each meal, and this is how you pray. And maybe you pray the same words whenever you pray at a meal. And maybe when you go to bed at night, it's the, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, kind of whatever it is, some, some rote prayer. And, you, and, and over the years, you've kind of lost touch with the fact that you kind of pray the same way in each situation. Your meal prayers, they're pretty much the same. Your bedtime prayers, they're pretty much the same. Maybe you're kind of in this uh, habit where when, when you think about praying, you think of, of sitting down. Maybe you, you, you bow your head, you close your eyes. You have to use big words and, and uh, you have to have kind of doctrinal perfection when you pray. And actually, when I, see, when I read the Bible, it says there's a lot of ways that we can pray. And the more we learn to kind of expand the way we pray, I think the fresher and more meaningful prayer is going to be for us. So I learned when I first became a Christian, and I know this is so prayer 101, but I've just, it's stuck with me all through the years. It's, it's praying the Acts prayer. Anyone familiar with that? So this is great. So I learned this, and it's always stuck with me. Uh, A-C-T-S, four different ways to pray. What does the A stand for, anyone? Adoration, that's right, man. Adoration is, is when we come to God, and we just, we just worship Him for who He is. So maybe we come to God and say, God, the Bible tells me that you're all-knowing. And that's pretty meaningful to me, God. I love the fact that you know everything, because I don't. And, and I love the fact that, God, you are very patient. And so you just come to God and you adore him. You know, uh, the, the C stands for confession, right? So that's where we come to God. And as I read the Bible, it says you get very specific you know, you don't just come to God and go, well, I know what I did and you know what I did and so there's no reason to kind of get into all that. God just, you know, can't you just... Uh, as I read the Bible, I think it says, you know, you, you tell God this is what I did. 
you know, and this is what I was thinking, and, and I thank you for the cross, and, and I pray that you will cleanse me of my sins. I thank you that you've promised me in the Bible that you will forgive me of my sins, and God help me. Help me because I, I don't want to. I don't want to go back to that again. So we get clean as we come to confession. And the T stands for Thanksgiving. Now, there's a difference between Thanksgiving and adoration. Adoration is th- thanking God for who he is. Thanksgiving is thanking God for what he does. So this is where as we go through our day, as God blesses us, we say thank you for those things. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for answering that prayer. Thanksgiving is so important because quite often, we, we, if we're not thinking about Thanksgiving, we often miss the blessings that God brings into our life. And that's a shame. Really, when God blesses us, when God answers prayer, when he does great things, and we just, we don't look for it, we don't see it, and we don't say thank you. It's a, it's a great way to worship God, but it's also, I would just say, it's great for your heart to pray prayers of thanksgiving. And the S is for supplication. Now, that's usually the thing that we pray about. To, to supplicate God is to ask for things. So, God, I need this, and I need this, and you know about that, and my friend needs this, and you know what? That's all important. God wants to know about that stuff. But maybe you're the kind of person who, when you pray, it's pretty much all supplication, or maybe you're the kind of prayer it's pretty much all confession, you know. I'm sure you wouldn't want to admit that, but, you know, maybe that pretty much dominates what you talk to God about. And Paul comes along and says, let's pray all kinds of prayers. You might want to mix some adoration in there. You might want to put some thanksgiving in there because that would be a great way to kind of broaden and, and, and bring some refreshment to your prayer life. And not just the things that we pray about, but there's a lot of different, you know, contexts in which we pray. When I read the Bible, it says that there's definitely a place to pray with other believers. The early church did that a lot. Sometimes Jesus said, you want to go in a closet, you want to be alone by yourself, and you want to pray. Uh, sometimes the Bible talks about praying with, with, with loud cries, because that's appropriate. Sometimes it's done in silence. Sometimes our prayers are planned. Sometimes our, our prayers are spontaneous. And then again, as I read the Bible, I see there's a lot of different positions that we can take. Um, maybe not like Chachi in the video, but we could pray on our knees. That's certainly a way. When praying on your knees is usually just a way of humbling yourself before God. Sometimes that's a great way to pray. Standing up can be an appropriate way to uh, pray. The uh, Bible talks about lying down in your bed and praying to God. Um, I have a friend who likes to sit at a table and take an empty chair and put it there, and they just visualize Jesus sitting there at the table, and they think about talking with him. Uh, sometimes we like to bow our head when we pray, but the Bible all talks, also talks about looking up toward heaven as we pray. That can be appropriate. We can fold our hands. Uh, we can raise our hands. Um, you can pray with your eyes closed. You can pray with your eyes open. I, I remember when I, again, in the first church I went to in youth group, we'd have prayer time, and um, there was just this unspoken rule that if you opened your eyes during prayer that your prayer didn't count. I'm not really sure where that came from, but, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't count. You know what I mean? And then afterwards, somebody would say, I saw you, and you opened your eyes, and then you'd want to say, well, how did you see that? You know, you opened your eyes too. It's okay to open your eyes, you know. Uh, I, I like to open my eyes. I like to stand up and walk around. Just, I've told you this before. Just don't make eye contact with people because that's weird when you're praying. Um, don't do that. Uh, so lots of different ways that, that we can pray. Different kinds of prayers, different kinds of requests. Now, in your notes, I've got a number four, uh, four and we're not going to do that today. Um, I'm either going to podcast on that and we'll put it online or I'm going to uh, fold it into next weekend. But uh, true story, yesterday afternoon, it was about four o'clock. And I was praying through the sermon, just praying for it, and um, God very just kind of put an impression on my heart, don't, don't do part four. I, do, I don't know what that was all about, so we're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to go right on to part five. Um, 
you'll just have to guess. Uh, in verse 18 again, this is what he says. He talks about getting mutual in our prayers. He says, always keep on praying for all the saints. So this is great. He says, now, with this in mind, I want you to be alert for each other. I want you to always keep on praying for other believers. That's really important. Now, the Bible says we should pray for unbelievers, and the Bible says we should pray for, you know, our church leaders and for our government officials, but here Paul focuses in on, just kind of dials it in on the saints. He says, we need to pray for other believers. It's really, really important. One time, Jesus was uh, with with a large group, thousands of people, He's looking over people who he, when he saw them, he described them as sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus was looking out over this crowd and he said this to his disciples. He said, he said, the harvest, he's talking about unbelievers. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are what? The workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So I find this interesting. Jesus doesn't say pray for the field. He says, the field isn't the problem. The field is ready. He goes, you need to be praying for believers. There are some believers who need a, you know, they need a good kick. They need a good slap in the head, you know. They, they, they need some direction. They, you need to pray for believers because they need some passion. They need some focus. They need some courage. So Jesus says, you really need to pray for one another. When you think about it, prayer is one of the most amazing gifts that you can give the people that you love. Husbands, it's one of the best things you can do for your wives and wives for husbands. For those of you who are, who, are, who are kids living in the house with your parents, it's one of the greatest things that you can do for your parents, besides wash your car, is to pray for them. It's just a wonderful, wonderful thing that you can do. Uh, for, for the people in your life, uh, the people you're sitting next to today here at church, the people in your grow group, to, to go up to people and ask them, how can I pray for you? Just point blank, when's the last time you did that for the, the person you're married to? When did you look at them and say, how can I, I think I know how to pray for you. But, but how can I do it? And then write it down, right there in front of them. Just write it down so that you can remember that, you know, and keep a list and get some updates. Go back to them later and say, hey, you know, I was praying for that thing. How did that go? But he goes on besides that, Paul says, and he says, not only do we need to pray for each other, we, we need prayer for ourselves. So I find that kind of interesting. So Paul says, we need to pray for each other. And then Paul says, and we also need to get people to pray for us. That's really important. In verse 19, he goes on and he says this. Paul says, I want you to also pray for me. So Paul says, we need to pray for each other. And Paul says several times in the book, I'm praying for you. And then Paul says, by the way, I just want to throw out a little request here, and it's not an unspoken. I'm going to get really specific here. I want you to pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. That's why I'm in prison, he says. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So I find this interesting because Paul gives him a prayer request. And notice a few things about his prayer request. It's very specific. I mean, he just, they know exactly how to pray for him now. It's very honest and it's a little humbling because what Paul's insinuating is sometimes I'm not that brave. I mean, I read it and I think that's crazy. If Paul needed to ask other people to pray for him to have courage, I probably need to ask people to pray for me as well. So Paul lays this out. He's just very specific. He's very honest. He's, he's really just very transparent and says, I just want to tell you what I'm struggling with right now. I'm kind of struggling. I'm, I'm chained to some guards and who knows, maybe sometimes when he talked about the gospel, maybe they beat him a bit. You know, maybe they tortured him a bit. 
Maybe they said, oh, well, you're not eating today. We don't really know what was going on there, but it was intimidating to Paul. Paul goes, please pray for me. Let me ask you a question. Who's praying for you that way? Who knows the deep, deep prayer requests of your heart right now? Paul says, you need to tell those to someone because most people, quite frankly, they're not going to know. And then he goes on and he says, uh, Tychicus, which is uh, a, a fellow believer of Paul's, he says, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything. So Paul sends this letter with, with Tychicus to the church in Ephesus. He says, he'll tell you everything so you'll know how I am and, and what I'm doing. He'll fill in all the, the prayer requests, the blanks for you. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. So Paul says, I've sent a friend and he's going to tell you how to pray for me and what's going on and maybe some stuff I couldn't put in the letter and, and, and he's going to fill in all the details. See, we need other people to be praying for us. We need to find people that we can trust and we need to be specific. We need to be honest. We need to go ahead and be vulnerable. We need to be transparent. We need people in our life we can go to and say, you know what, I'm just really struggling with this temptation right now. We, should, we need people that we can name. We can name that thing. I mean, when you think about it, one of the things that, 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 I, I, that concerns me the most in the body of Christ is that quite often, so many of us have, we, we've put on this mask and uh, we've, we've put on this act and people don't know the real us, so they're praying for the fake us, you know? They're praying for the, the person that we've put on. and See, we don't, that person doesn't exist. So I don't know, I just find this situation in the church sometimes where I feel like we're praying for people who don't even exist. <laughs> Those aren't the, the other person's real issues, the real problems, the real struggles, the real spiritual battles that they're facing. So it needs to start with us. We need to find people we can be honest with and say, look, this is, man, this is the thing I need prayer for. This is the temptation that I'm struggling with right now. I could use some prayer for my marriage right now. You might say, that's, that's humbling, that's vulnerable. So what? If that's a real request that you have. I'm dealing, I've, I've got some financial trouble right now. You say, well, that would be kind of humbling. You know, I, 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 things are tough at work. Here's the question. What do you need more right now? Good, good image on the outside? Or the power of prayer inside of your life? Might be humbling. I need some, I need some prayer right now. I'm not doing so good in reading my Bible. I need some prayer right now. I'm really afraid to share my faith with people. I need to take some step of faith. So Paul says we need to get mutual. We need to pray for others and we need to get, find other people who will pray for us. Back in uh, Acts chapter 12, um, the, the church is in its, it's, in its infancy. And... Uh, and they, they only have a small group of leaders, and they don't have any structure yet, if, if you study the book of Acts, right? So they, they don't have a building yet, and they don't have official pastors yet, and they're just kind of, they're just kind of, you know, trying to get by here and get the church started. And they just had a handful of leaders, and, and Herod, who was, a, who was a leader there in the area at the time, he had James arrested, one of the church leaders, and had him put to death. And what he found was, when he had James put to death, that there were a lot of people in the community that were like going, woohoo, we think that's great, because Christians are annoying us, you know? And so his polling numbers went way up as a political leader, and so he thought, wow, if I can get some good numbers out of James, imagine what I can get out of Peter, because Peter was the big dog in the church. So he has Peter arrested, and he has him thrown in prison, and pretty much the, I think the conventional wisdom was tomorrow, this is at night, tomorrow Peter's going to be dead. 
Because Herod's just finding out that this is, this is a good political move. So it says the church, kind of they sent out a quick email and we're all gonna gather at Mary's house and, and we're gonna pray. We're just gonna get on each night and we're gonna pray. So they, they gather at the house and they begin to pray. Now it's the middle of the night and they're, they're, they're praying. And uh, it, you know, oftentimes we, we, we picture what that might look like. The, these, these holy, holy people with, with halos above their heads and filled with faith and all this stuff. But actually, I, don't, I think this is a group of confused, unsure people who quite frankly felt like prayer was the right thing to do, but I don't think they were so sure that, that God would actually answer their prayer. But they get on the knees and they're praying anyways. Now during this time, Peter's in, in, in prison and he's, he's asleep. And an angel comes into the prison cell and kind of kicks Peter and says, man, you need to wake up. We got to go. We got to get out of here. Put on your jacket because it's cold outside. So Peter thinks he's having a dream. So he puts his jacket on and, and uh, he starts to, you know, the angel's like, get up, let's, let's go. And he starts to walk and he walks past the first guard and, and, and he's not noticed and he walks back to, past the second guard and he, he goes out of the, the prison cell and he's walking down the hallway and nobody's seeing him. So Peter thinks this is a dream. And then they get kind of to the front gate that leads out into the city and the gate just kind of automatically opens, you know, and it opens up and Peter follows the angel out and then the, the gates close and Peter's standing there in the middle of the street and he turns around and the angel's gone and Peter realizes it's not a vision. And by the way, I better get off the street because I'm a wanted man. So he runs to a house. Now we don't know if Peter knew where the church was and where they were praying, but he goes and it just happens to be the house, Mary's house where the church is praying. Now so they're all in there and they're praying and these godly, godly people full of faith that are expecting God to answer their prayer any moment now and they're praying and there's a knock on the door and it's Peter. And so they're like, you know, well, we can't be bothered. We're praying for Peter. So they, ta- they, they ask a servant girl, you go answer the door because we're praying. We're really busy here. Uh, we're, we're kind of a boldly approaching the throne of God. And so she goes and she, she goes to the door and, she, and, and, and Peter's like, let me in, let me in. They're going to find me it's Peter let me in and she's like holy cow it's Peter and so she doesn't open the door she just runs back into the living room where everybody's praying and she says you guys are going to believe this but Peter's at the front door and they're like oh honey oh you've been praying way too long you need a you need a donut or something you need rehydration so they they take her and they sit her down they're like you're you, you know you're losing it you're bonkers and, no 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 really really Peter's at the door Peter's out there and Peter's knocking and they're like trying to console her and go come on now let's and I find it really interesting when I read that because what I see is a group of people who I I it's not like they were like oh that's what we've been praying for of course it's Peter Peter's out knocking you know somebody let me in the house Here's what I love about that picture. They, 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 I don't know that they were filled with faith. I don't know that they really expected that God would answer their prayer. For all I know, they were just praying that God would comfort them <laughs> for when Peter was dead or that they, you know, God would replace Peter. I don't know what the deal was, but they weren't expecting it. And yet, all the same, God answered their prayer because God loves it when we pray. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have perfect faith. God just loves it when his children breathe when we come to him in prayer. So we're going to close a little bit different today. I'm not going to pray for you. Um, I pray for you all the time. And uh, this, it seemed a little silly to me to talk about prayer and then to pray for you. So um, we're going to sing a song and uh, close the service. And then I'm going to just let you pray. And maybe for some of you, that sounds exciting. For some of you, you're like, oh no. See, this is why I don't like to come to church. Um, and if it's really uncomfortable for you, then you can just leave. But, but, if, but honestly, when we're done here, this, I just want this to be a house of prayer for a little while.
And um, if, if God's just laid it on your heart that you need to pray alone for a few minutes, that's cool. But there's a lot of people in this room. So maybe you're here and you're sitting next to your husband or wife and maybe it's been a while since you just looked at each other and said, how can I pray for you? And prayed for each. And, you, and maybe you should pray for each other today. Or maybe your grow group's here and that would be kind of a cool experience just to get together with them for a few minutes and, and to pray. Maybe you're, you're single and there's a cute person on the other side of the room you just really love to pray with and you know, hey. Great way to get started. And, uh, but but what, 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 what's God? I never did that. What's, what is... <laughs> what's God put on your heart and how could you pray today? 